right now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat, joins us on this lovely Tuesday. Hey, Al, how's it going? Hey, it's a great day. Hope uh, everyone is okay. Happy Tuesday. I love John Prine. So oh, I know. always a, a good way to start a day. And and I do have a ginkgo tree in my yard as well, and they are lovely. The, yes. One of the... There's so many interesting things about them, but it's just one day it decides, I'm going to drop my leaves, <laughs> and it just pretty much drops all of them. They just fall in a great heat, So, Did, and their le- leaves are such interesting-looking things. Well, they look like little fans, and they're a little thicker than, than some of the others, so you feel like instead of a piece of paper, it's like a cardstock almost, and they are just... They're a little different, and I know they can get over 100 feet tall, but I've been getting the ones in my yard because I don't have as big a one, and you can get the ones that are dwarfs. I've got one that's called Troll that gets about 3 feet tall, and I've got some other ones that get maybe 10 to 15 feet tall. And So, yeah, there's a lot of nice varieties out there and and fun to to see. All the trees, so I I always recommend trees because trees are good. Trees are wonderful. Trees are proof that you're thinking of someone else other than yourself, yeah. I think. so. It's, and uh, I throw their leaves in the compost pile, and they seem to, when they were first down there, I thought, man, how long will it take these things to compost? They're, uh, they're pretty impressive leaves on those, but they, they do a great job. Do you know what, I, what the other tree that drops in one day is? the? Uh, we have a weeping mulberry. One day it has leaves, the next day, boom, it's a giant pile. The good thing about that, Al, is you you rake it up and it's done yeah and i think if a tree why would you want to just say yeah, i'll drop a few today and i'll <laughs> save i think you just want to say you know i'm done with you all today sayonara yeah i i want to we my wife and i met at the cottage cafe in amboy with uh, ms lona and uh-huh. Tim Scott, who do a wonderful show on KMSU, and their daughter, Emily Scott, and Steve Kittleson. Steve is from Amboy, and Steve works with the DNR. And it was fun being uh, in such great company. Uh, Steve went to Alaska years ago to see about getting trumpeter swans when we didn't have any here. Oh. And uh, I think, and want to thank. I want to thank Steve and uh, the others involved in that, where I can get out and see a trumpeter swan. If I hunt around here, uh, pretty much every day I can find a trumpeter swan. And Steve related something when he was in Alaska. He met a friend of mine named Jim King of Juno, who was a flying duck biologist, and I know all hmm. ducks fly except domestic, <laughs> so flying duck biologist, but he flew an airplane, uh, the duck's dent, and he's just another, uh, one of the nicest people on earth. And Ms. Lona talked of seeing a mountain lion years ago with Marky Mark Halverson. And uh, so it was nice. It was just a great company. We celebrate birthdays every yes. year together. And at the House of Hoops at uh, Minnesota State, uh, Jeff, your husband, I'm sure he told you he was going to a bar and hang around, but he <laughs> yeah. went to a he went to the Taylor Center and watched a basketball game. He said that. he didn't recognize you at first, probably because of the mask. I says, well, all you got to look for is the tallest guy around, and that's usually <laughs> yeah. you, right? And I felt terrible. I didn't recognize him either. Yeah. Uh, you know, years ago, I'd watch those old movies, and some guy that lived, like, next door to the bank would put a handkerchief over his face <laughs> and go rob the bank. 
and they weren't able to identify him. And I thought, how stupid are you? You'd have to know who that is. No, you won't. I don't recognize anybody when they have a mask on. It's terrible how I am at that. I just, I figure out, I don't know what it is. And Jeff was, you married well. He complimented my granddaughter's play. And I said, even better, she's smart. Only I meant it to come out even better. She's smarter than her grandpa. Oh. I don't know if I got it all out. So Jeff got kind of a funny look on his face like, yeah, she's smart. I didn't mean that. I meant to say she's smarter than her grandpa, which is, it just came out truncated. And my apologies. And she's an amazing family. basketball player. I'll tell you what, she's a star. Yeah, she's a good player. I, you know, I think I babbled just because I was in awe of Jeff's presence. Oh, you're funny. It, so. I... I I heard this song. Uh, oh gosh, I don't even know where I was. It wasn't in my car. It was it some somebody else's place or in a mall or somewhere? And I heard uh, dead skunk in the middle of the oh. road, and it's stinking high heaven. It's yes. Loudon Wayne right the third uh, crooned that love song. But the first dead skunk I saw on the road near the end of my driveway this year, and I keep track of that, oh. was on February tenth. <laughs> really? And Wow. Yeah, they, isn't that kind of early? Settled. It was cold February tenth. Uh, no, 10th. it's usually around Valentine's Day oh. when I check. Okay, it's, that's a, that's the way skunks celebrate <laughs> Valentine's Day. They get out, and get hit by a Buick. I guess I don't know. Doesn't seem like it'd be much joy in that, but they must enjoy it. Mm. They when they settle into their winter home, the striped skunk becomes dormant, but it doesn't enter a full state of hibernation. It it goes into a torpor, a, a deep sleep from which it awakes occasionally. And as the season changes from winter to spring, the days get longer like they are now, skunks emerge to seek mates and sometimes get in harm's way as the one did on the road at the end of my driveway and now it's stinking high heaven. Um, striped skunks are a polygamous species, and the oh. males take multiple mates from, it's usually late February through April, but it seems like it's getting maybe a little earlier. Uh, the scientific name means bad odor or noxious vapor, <laughs> and the word skunk comes from an Algonquin word, uh, one of the Native American words that uh, stills hanging around in our vocabulary. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of those, probably a lot more than I think. I heard uh, woodpeckers drumming again this morning. I typically hear them beginning in mid-January, and then I hear them regularly in February. They drum most frequently in the morning. Uh, Drumming rates are highest before nesting, lower during nesting, and then they increase again after the young fledge. And both sexes drum. Uh, Drumming is a response to longer day length, and it helps establish and maintain breeding territory, attracts a mate, maintains contact, and it strengthens pair bonds. I have a heated dog dish that sits on a stand on my deck. It has armored electrical cord to keep animals from gnawing on it. And it works well as a bird water. And when cleaning the dish, because my wife encouraged me to get in on there and help clean, she helped too. So uh, we discovered a mouse had entered through the hole for the cord and had built a nest under the dish. It had an apartment with a heated ceiling, and the rent was reasonable, and it didn't have to break out the long underwear. So I I felt kind of guilty breaking up its happy home there. 
I'm noticing more yellow on the bills of starlings. Uh, starlings' bill is dark in the winter, but begins turning yellow as the breeding season nears. Uh, Marion Ball of Faribault sent me photos and said, what in the world are making these tracks? Well, they were wild turkey tracks in the snow. And a wild turkey track is probably, again, I'm holding my thumb and forefinger apart to help everybody visualize this, but probably five inches. Uh, Jim Myers of Mankato sent this. He said Ole's grandson, Torvald, won a gold medal at the Winter Olympics in China. He sent the gold medal home to Ole, who is having it bronze. So I'm happy for that family. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Ryan Shackleton said an eagle nest in near Elma, Iowa, and that's in Howard County. Uh, there's a, oh, is it Joachim Woods, I believe, is the the place where he was at. It, well, anyway, it blew down in the fall tornado, so the nest was goner. He drove past yesterday, and the pair has rebuilt in the same area within the last couple of weeks. New nest in the tree, and both eagles were there working on it, so they had to build a new nest this year. So I had a little more work for them. Uh, Brenda Katasik of St. Peter said a sharp shin hawk comes back to my yard almost daily. I'm glad I have trees and bushes where the birdies can hide. I'm feeding 55 to 60 wild turkeys in our yard every day wow. now. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Many wild birds, about 15 deer, and I'd say 20-plus squirrels. See two eagles soaring in our front pasture and also a few hawks. Yeah, I would think so. They say, what's going on over there? A lot of activity, so they would show up. You can, uh, good folks, you can visit the DNR Eagle Cam. I think if you just search Minnesota DNR, it's minnesotadnr.gov. But if you just go to Minnesota DNR and look for Eagle Cam. And why this is really cool now is on Saturday, which was February 12th, the, the female laid her first egg. It had been really news, I guess, of the male had laid his first egg. But it was a female laid Ooh. her first egg. I'm looking at it right now. There's an eagle on the nest. Yeah, isn't it cool? I love it, that. When they lay, and I don't know why, but when it's near sunset is when eagles, bald eagles, tend to lay their eggs. Huh. So I think they, she laid her egg at five-something. And 516, so it says on Saturday. Is the, that, yep. Yeah. Isn't that neat how they do that? And you, I don't know why it's in towards the end of the day. I'm sure there's reasons for it. Now, they say they expect at least one more egg this season, more likely two. And they said last year, each of the three eggs was laid a few days apart. Oh, that's interesting. And I would say if they had success last year, there's a good chance she would lay three again because oh. it, it worked last year. She said, well, we'll do that again. But, yeah, they lay two or three eggs, and she and her mate, they trade off, trade off egg-sitting duties. And they begin incubation after the first egg is laid meaning that the nest with more than one egg there. If they have three, there'll be an oldest sibling, a youngest sibling, and then that middle sibling that has to put up with both ends there. But uh, both the male and the female, again, incubate the eggs, and both have brood patches, so the female tends to do the bulk of the incubating. The brood patch is an area of bare skin on a bird's breast that is formed when the bird removes its own feathers. And why would she do that? Yeah. Well, by removing those feathers, the 
she that allows her body heat to better reach the eggs oh. and keep them at their proper temperature. And she has to incubate each egg from 34 to 36 days. So smart, aren't they? Yeah. Hey, the, you're uh, talking about eagles, Al. I just got a question on the text. It says, a question for Al from Jack May. Why do you think bald eagles are becoming so numerous around south-central Minnesota? We have uh, really good a- habitat here for them. We have some king trees, some giant trees, and that's what they like to nest in. Uh, very often, if you're looking in a grove, you just look at the tallest tree, and that's where you'll find the eagle's nest. So they like those big trees. We have a lot of lakes. So they uh, fishing's good, and they can fly. Uh, you know, they, when you cut across country as they do when they fly, they can find good fishing. They can move a little ways. And in the winter time, we see them around here because we do have open water. We have a lot of uh, places where the water is kept open. I see them on uh, Elberly Lake. I just saw some uh, Shell Rock River, and it's the water's kept open there. And I find eagles there hunting or fishing most of the time. We provide uh, for the especially for the young birds who have difficulty hunting or fishing. We are kind enough to them to provide dead deer here and there and other ah. things like that for them to feed on. So it's a combination of many things. Plus, you know, Minnesotans are pretty kind to them overall. So it's a win-win situation for them to be here. We are all amazed. <laughs> I still, each time I see a bald eagle, I just say, wow, that's incredible, and I'm seeing this, because uh, I tell everybody I was 14 before I saw a bald eagle in anywhere really? other than in a movie or in a film or somewhere. Uh, I might have seen one in a zoo or something like that, but in the wild, I was 14 before I saw one. And so the, it's just a perfect combination of things happening. You know, it's Jack, it's like when your wife makes that wonderful hot dish where she just grabs a few things out of the refrigerator and just throws it all together in this thing. And, and you might say, oh, I don't know about this. And it turns out to be like the best thing you've ever eaten because it's just the perfect, everything matches up right. And I guess that's the way it is for eagles here. We are just a perfect place. Do you know where I saw one? I saw one yesterday, Al. I was at the dentist leaning back in the chair getting a, a filling refilled again and so I'm leaning back in the chair and looked outside and sure enough it, you know because the the dent well you don't know this but the the dentist office faces the Minnesota River and there was an eagle flying oh. I thought that was maybe a good omen that this uh, dental thing would go okay and it, it did so that was good news how lucky you I was in a dentist chair yesterday too oh. getting the teeth cleaning and the fluoride and all that sort of things and get getting my free toothbrush and toothpaste <laughs> and floss and, and floss yeah <laughs> and uh, I have no window there at oh, all oh that's not nice funny. no this... that'd be nice uh, I mean my uh, hygienist is very nice but uh, a window once in a while would be all right, just to look out on something. Jack has another uh, question for you since we're, sure. we're uh, Jack also just texted. He said, here is another question for Al. Speaking of skunks, he said, it seems like 15 or 20 years ago, the DNR asked people to report when they saw a skunk with a double stripe as though it were a new thing they were interested in. Now it seems like all skunks have that double stripe. Yeah, and I'm not aware of that, Jack. You're, um, and thanks for uh, Jack. I appreciate you and and my sympathies uh, on the loss of your father-in-law. 
Um, I don't know, Jack. I know nothing about that. It's just one of the many things that I haven't a clue of. And uh, I didn't get any memo, or they didn't contact me, <laughs> I don't think, back then, saying that. But, yeah, I, they all look, you know, I guess if you were raising skunks and you had 20 of them out here, you could probably tell a good share of them apart because the striping would be yeah. a little bit different. Something would be on there. But for the most part, when I'm driving down the road and I smell that <laughs> and I see that skunk on the road, they all look pretty much the same to me, Jack. So, But I'm going to look into that. I, I want to find out more of that. So I appreciate you. It's nice of you. It's always good to hear from you. It made me chuckle because, you know, we used to have 150 cows and we knew each of them by name, and anybody else would come and say, well, they're all black and white, unless, of course, you had a red and white Holstein or maybe some other breed. But you could tell each of them apart because they all had different markings and everybody had different personalities. So you can. So I guess I've just, like you, have never observed skunks so closely to note that. Yeah, my my dad had a pet skunk when he was a kid. So really? he just loved that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, our cows were named or I named them after states oh so they were Holsteins and what you you know that one looks sort of like the state of Montana and so I named her Montana <laughs> I, was, I was so precious we had a system too I had it my first foundation cow of my little 4-H herd was Penny and every cow after that was named after a flower so I had Petunia, Pansy, Portulac, etc. Oh. And then each of Petunias was named uh, all of her babies were named after fruits so peach, pear, anyway it was a system and I was running out of pea things so then finally I think um, Portulaca's calves were, were all named after spaceships so there there was Colum Columbia well you know Portulaca's a moss rose right? I, yeah I know. <laughs> but that's a funny but no so hers were named after like the challenger the discovery and anyhow it, it was a system oh, and we all yeah. had that yeah um, somebody was out to the farm one day and they said do, you, do they come when you call them and i said you bet yeah uh, I, I could holler i wouldn't necessarily have to holler their names i guess just uh come boss. my dad would always say come boss mm -hmm. and that just meant come and get something to eat and boy <laughs> they would all come running that or get milk day yep a uh, listener says, what kind of mixed seed should I put in my bird feeder? I'm new to feeding birds. Uh, I wouldn't put any in. Uh, no mixed seed. Mm -hmm. I don't use seed mixes in a feeder, and I know you'll see it on the shelves of many stores, but uh, I found that too much of it goes uneaten. Yep. Uh, it clogs the feeder or it falls to the ground. So you're better off using single ingredients in a feeder. And I like black oil sunflower seeds the best. But I also feed Niger seeds for the finches. Occasionally I put millet on the ground when there are large numbers of native sparrows, which includes juncos around. I offer suet and peanuts. Some folks feed safflower seeds to lessen squirrel activities at the feeders or maybe grackle activities in the summer. I enjoy providing room service to the birds at my feeders. Busy feeders mean I've gotten many referrals. Feeding birds provides a positive therapeutic effect on those who feed their avian amigos. I, I know it makes me happy, and watching birds is one of the greatest shows on earth. So I would not use uh, seed mixes, and if you must use seed mixes maybe put them in a platform feeder rather than a hanging feeder 
because they just they don't work very well and again one of the reasons is there's a lot of things put in there just for weight mm-hmm. so you got milo or milo or sorghum the same thing but there's oats and wheat and stuff that uh our birds out here just don't like very much and speaking of feeding birds a listener said last year i watched a male cardinal feeding sunflower seeds to a gross beak what? Why was it doing that? <laughs> yeah, and also do cardinals mate for life? You know, I think the male cardinal just wanted to offer you a photo opportunity. <laughs> Said, "Hey, hey, watch this!" And just uh, male cardinals occasionally feed nestlings or fledglings of other species. Although it's it's not because they've taken over another bird's nest. Uh, this may happen because the chick is begging nearby, and the cardinal has this extremely strong parental instinct so birds often feed babies that aren't their own and the instinct to stuff food in an open mouth is strong perhaps the threat of not feeding one of your own hungry chicks is greater than the risk of feeding someone else's uh that's it i should add that a brown-headed cowbird will lay an egg in a cardinal's nest and the cardinal will raise the cowbird as its own. So it, you might see a cardinal feeding a baby cowbird. And I was at uh, Dick Sonics. He lives uh, between Mapleton and Minnesota Lake. And I watched a male cardinal fly down to the edge of a pond and feed Dick's koi. It was just uh, the fish would come up there with that mouth like a baby bird wanting to be fed. So I watched him go down there and throw sunflower seeds in the koi's mouth, and I'm sure the koi just spit it out right away. What are you trying to give me here? Uh, To your second question, cardinals do not mate for life. Uh, New pairs form during the breeding season, although some cardinals remain paired on the breeding territory all year. I have a pair in my yard. They've been pretty much together all winter so i'm assuming that's a mated pair and they're um, they're staying together through troubled times because winter's troubled times for them uh some of them do get amicable divorces sadly so oh. that does happen there too but uh it, i talked to uh, uh richard Steele. richard's from alden and we're waiting in the dentist's office and we got the mass on and uh, mumbling to one another through our mass and Richard said, I have a pair of cardinals in my yard. He said, that is incredible. I'm so happy to see them. He lives out on a farm. And he said, I don't get many of them there. How neat is that? So yeah, it's amazing the impact that cardinals have on all of us. We just see them, and it, it just gives us that uh, kind of warm feeling sometimes. So I hope Richards hangs around, and I hope he had fun at the dentist yesterday. I told him not to cry this time, so he was. But uh, it's we feed birds because we love birds. We want birds to do well. But we want to be happy, and feeding birds makes us happy. So part of the reason we feed birds, a great part, is because it brings us joy. So that's thanks, everybody, who's been feeding them, and thanks to that cardinal for feeding the koi. Have you ever had them feed your koi? No, I don't have the koi anymore because my pond got a leak, so no more pond. But, you know, the first time I ever saw koi was, was when I went to Taiwan many years ago, and I thought it was the coolest thing because... 
the they the the folks didn't speak hardly any English, so we just sort of my you know gestures and things. But he had this koi pond, and he brought this baby bottle out, and I'm like, what in the heck is? Does he have a baby bottle with this koi? And he made some sound to call the koi, you know, like he did the cows, except it was a koi call. And he put the bottle in there, and these koi were sucking. I guess it was a, like a sugar water or something he had. They were sucking from the baby bottle, and he had him trained to do this. I thought that was the coolest thing. And the, the closest I got to was I would call them, and I would have little um, pellets of, of koi food for them. But, yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're kind of, you can kind of sort of train them, I guess, a little bit. But, no, I never saw anything else besides me feeding them <laughs> or my kids. Yeah, and there's a, a meme that goes around that says we should have the memory of a goldfish. I think it's uh, if for athletes, maybe. If they fail, they should have the memory of a goldfish uh-huh. and just forget about it right away. But I say I, goldfish probably have a lot more memory than we give them credit for. At least so for food. I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. They he, don't, and they don't spend much time looking at digital screens, no. so that probably helps them a little bit too. I got uh, a listener. Oh, I got a note from John too. My, our good friend John sent a note, so sure. I wanted to read this. He says, "My tip for those hard to open little bags for bananas, etc. You know, like you get at the grocery store." He says, "Is yeah. to is to reuse an old little bag, less frustrating." And then he says, "Raise your right leg if you don't like speeding tickets." Till next time, from John in New Ulm. <laughs> there you go. I saw I was coming back from Mankato, and two cars passed me going both lickety and split, and uh, all of a sudden a car pulled over and made a U-turn and uh, turned on its lights behind me, and I thought, oh, crap, I'm not speeding. I wonder, I got a taillight out or something, oh, and it oh. went right by me and pulled oh. over the one of the two that had zoomed by me. So then I got to kind of creep by them as they were probably getting a ticket <laughs> so you know and it the bad part is you kind of oh i'm not proud of it but you kind of <laughs> feel you know saying, well there you go you know? <laughs> i say that too if somebody's really speeding by me i i think in my head i hope you get a ticket <laughs> yeah you reap what you sow yep you know, but, and then i feel bad feeling yeah that way. for two seconds oh, a, a listener said why doesn't a duck's quack echo Oh, uh, yeah. a well, quack. If you think of a quack, it can be a fading sound with gradual decay, making it difficult to tell the difference between a quack and an echo. But a duck's quack echoes. I uh, canoed the Missouri River through Montana, and there was a lot of areas where there were walled areas along the the river, and I heard a lot of uh, duck sounds echoing there, which was pretty cool. So I don't know how some of those things get started. Those I see that a lot where people say, believe it or not, and you read down and they'll have all these, and there are no uh, mosquitoes in Ireland, believe it or not. Well, I don't. There's mosquitoes in Ireland, but I don't know how those things get, get started. Uh, Folklore. Get, it's you got to love it. <laughs> They get awfully popular. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everybody for sitting on the front porch with us. You know, winter doesn't obey the rules. I drove to Marshall in this demonic, cold, windy, snowy, and icy conditions. Visibility was limited to the dashboard, but, you know, you get on the, the freeway there, and there you are. There's nowhere to hide. I escaped all the furies of winter, but the cold. The cold was still there by the time I stopped to eat in Marshall with my wife and some friends. 
the nastiness had subsided, but it left a parking lot littered with chunks of ice or hard slush, usually dark brown that had fallen or been kicked from a car. There were clumps of snow that built up in the wheel wells, and people will ruin perfectly good shoes to get the pleasure of freeing their car of an automobile's winter dust bunnies. <laughs> and these chunks have all kinds of names. Fenderbergs, slush puppies, car sickles, car boogers. Oh, kids, <laughs> they love car boogers. Uh, kickies, grice, snard, slurred, snow lactites, hitchhikers, and chunkers. And I was happy that I didn't have to dodge any snow mattresses on my journey. Snow mattresses usually occur on the top of big SUVs and larger cars when the snow snacks, stacks on top of the vehicle and then blows off onto the road. I left Marshall and drove to Sioux Falls. The roads had been cleared, leaving a windrow, a ridge of snow scraped to the side of the road for my company. The closer to Sioux Falls I got, the more snurt, dirty snow and <laughs> ditches and fields that happens when snow sticks around in one place long enough to get dirty. I saw a lot of that. The Sioux Falls offered a change in weather, 47 degrees and little snow to be found on the ground. The warm day contradicted the winter with apologies to James Russell Lowell. And what is so rare is a day in June, a June day in February. Remember, Heartland is while we're driving past. Thanks for listening to us. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. Well, thank you, Alan. You have a great rest of your week and enjoy enjoy the heat wave we got coming. Will do. Okay, bye-bye. Oh All right, our good friend, Mr. Albat, always wonderful to have him on the show. It is 1030.